This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. You know, the personality of a person, the character of the personality is, is real life. It's your emotions. You know, otherwise the intellect per se is just abstract, is just intellect, divorced. An intellect that's divorced and disconnected from emotions is hardly godly. Because the first sign of godliness is, of godly emotions is, it has to affect the personality, it has to refine you, it has to inspire you, it has to move you, it has to change you. So it, if an intellect that doesn't inspire and doesn't lead to emotions is surely not godly. A person could be very brainy very smart. We know many professors and philosophers, but there's no connection between their philosophy and their brilliance and their character and their personality and their behavior and their day-to-day -day life. It's completely divorced. They could be very unrefined, uncouth, but brilliant minds and very br creative, brilliant geniuses. This is the test. This is the acid test. How do I know that it's truly godly if it touches me? can't remain indifferent. You know, there's a very famous Jewish politician, right-wing politician, Lula Cohen, right? Remember? And uh, she met the Rebbe, and she described very beautifully, she says, you know, I've met many great people, presidents, prime ministers, personalities, uh, Nobel Prize winners, geniuses, artists, he says, but you know the difference when you meet the Rebbe and you meet... He says, when you meet a genius, you're very impressed, but it doesn't rub off on you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like we walk away a little smarter, a few <laughs> IQ points higher. You meet someone who's brilliantly talented and creative, it doesn't rub off on you, it's very nice, you're very impressed. You meet a personality, a character, a special person, but it doesn't... He says, when you meet the Rebbe, he says, when you meet a man of faith, this is different. It can't help but rubbing off on you. It, it affects you. When you meet a man of faith, it touches you. It touches your heart. It touches your neshama. So the godly soul, when the godly soul understands godliness, this is, this is the test. If you truly understand godliness, it has to affect your emotions. It has to inspire you. It has to move you. It has to get you to open up and to change and to want to become better and to go deeper and to intensify and deepen. So that's why he starts out with the emotions because that's really, that's the bottom line. Life is all about, it's all about emotional maturity. You know, just a disembodied head, a disconnected head, a head without a body, without a heart. It's, 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 that's not Yiddishkeit. It's philosophy that's, that's, that's 
the nefesh asichlis, but that's not the godly soul. Godly soul, you can't compartmentalize. It's faith, it's Hashem, it's godliness. It has to permeate, touch you, inspire you. And that's why chafsidus, chafsidic teachings are compared to oil. Oil, the nature of oil is, it permeates. It drenches. Everything it comes in contact with becomes oily. Today you find oil in everything. Out of stone, out of shale, they're finding oil. They're crushing stone. You crush anything, you'll find oil. Oil, that's the nature of oil. It touches and permeates everything it comes in contact with. That's the nature when you study Tanya and you study Hasidus. You can't help but be inspired. It inspires you. It, it, it ennobles you. It elevates you. You want to do good. It doesn't doesn't beat you over the head, it doesn't beat you in submission, but it just, you hear something so deep, like a depth charge, you hear something so profound that you just, it just brings out all the good inside of you and then you want to. So the godly soul, the godly understanding, the godly light, when the godly soul is permeated with godliness, we understand the godly idea, it, it has to affect you. And that's why prayer was such a major event in the Hasidic, especially in the Chabad Hasidus. Because prayer is about internalizing, being inspired. Every idea that you learn has to inspire you. You have to internalize it, you have to integrate it. You have to, has to, how does it move me? How does it change me? How does it change how I wake up in the morning? How does it affect me? How does it... Personally. It has to have personally change me and move me and touch me. So that's why he starts out with the heart because that's really, that's really where the neshama is at neshama is the depth of the heart the, the inner part of the heart that's ultimately that's Yiddishkeit Yiddishkeit has to change you affect you move you no part of you can be left behind so he started out with the seven characteristics and now he goes back to the intellect what motivates what leads you to love Hashem? How are you going to awaken all these feelings? And how are you going to awaken all these character traits and personality traits and these attributes, emotional attributes? It's only through awareness. There's no awareness. There's no light. You can have a treasure in front under your nose. But if you don't know it's there, you can have in your backyard, you can have a whole treasure chest buried in your backyard. But <laughs> And you're living like a pauper. You don't know it's there. If you don't know, if you don't have the awareness. So without understanding, without chachmah binadaz, without wisdom, understanding and knowledge, you'll never ever get to that heart. You'll never get to that treasure. You'll never be able to activate all of your points, all of your personality points and character traits. And So it all has to be founded on understanding. And that's why it doesn't come naturally. Godliness doesn't come naturally to us. You need an education. Ego, self-absorption, being self-centered, arrogance, that comes quite naturally. No one has to go to school. Seven billion people, you're born with it. You're born selfish, selfish as you'll, as you'll ever be. You're born, you know, that's inherent, it's natural. You do have to go to school. You need an education to, 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 to become refined to become a mensch, to, to, to really change, to really, you have to open your mind to realize, to become aware. And the more aware you become, the more you can develop. That's the foundation that 
awakens these emotions. So that's what he's going to describe now, the Chabad. Page 279 in the middle, up to this point. Up to this point, the Alter Rebbe has explained how the seven midot exist within the Jew's godly soul. These emotive attributes are activated by the three intellective faculties, the Sfirot of Chabad, Chachmavin, and Dat, which are now to be explained. Now, the source and root of all the attributes are in the Chabad. That is, Chachma is the source of the intellect, which apprehends Hashem and His wisdom, His greatness, and the holy attributes wherewith He conducts and animates all the higher and lower worlds. Bina is the contemplation of this apprehension of Hashem's greatness and His holy attributes in the length, breadth, and depth of one's understanding. The length of a particular concept, in this case, the greatness of the Creator, entails drawing it down from its lofty abstraction by way of a parable, for example, to a level of intelligibility. The breadth of the concept refers to the multitudinous components and ramifications that await one's mastery. Its depth refers to the challenge of pluming its seemingly limitless profundity. Chachma is the source. That's the creative, the flash, the, the seminal, the seed, the understanding, the illumination, the beginning of awareness, the sense, the sense of godliness. The sense of godliness, to understand something godly, which is very intangible. You're dealing with something that you can't see or hear or taste or touch or smell. You can't receive it with the five senses. You're talking about even spirituality we can't see and it's beyond our anything tangible, but especially you're talking about something godly, Hashem and His greatness and infinity and uh, the you're talking about things that are really beyond, so it's the Chachma, it's the beginning, it's the beginning of the sense, to get a sense of, to be able to understand godliness the same way that we understand something tangible, something physical, something you can wrap your mind around, you can really understand, you can really grasp, like someone understands a stock market, or someone understands a business, or someone understands a concept. To really understand the greatness of Hashem, and to really get into it, it begins with Chachma. Chachma is that, that sense, that intangible sense, to be able to see, to sense, to, a feeling for, for, for these ideas, ideas of the greatness of Hashem. And, but, ultimate, but then you have to take it to the next level. Next step is Bina. Because unless you are able to spell it out in great detail, Chachma is very vague. It's a feeling, it's a sense, it's a word, it's a point, it's an idea, but unless you can really flesh it out and really spell it out and create a beautiful structure, and the test is how wide, how expansive, how many details, how, you know, if you don't really understand something, you can't talk about it. You're done talking in a minute. You stop most people, even people who went to yeshiva all their lives, talk about God. It's a two-minute conversation. What's there to talk about? I believe in God. End of story. Talk about the stock market. You have a few hours. Let me tell you which stock I invested in, which company I'm good for, how my business, what my business is all about, what my business ideas. So about your business, you can talk for hours. You study Torah for 18 years of your life, and you have nothing to say about Hashem. Because there's no, there's no words. There's no, it's not a reality. There's no, I can't flesh it out. 
You know, the Rambam takes it and puts it into 13 principles of faith. Each, each principle itself, you can talk for hours on what it really means and the, and the idea. And so a person who's very poor, impoverished, he has no words, he has no language, he has no, no details, it's not broad, it's not expansive. Talk about it, explain it this way and this aspect and that aspect and this angle and that angle there's so many angles if you can't approach it from different angles it means you don't really understand it it's not real for you it's, 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 it's a feel. it's a sense it's a vague sense and if you can't bring it down if you can't lower it down if you can't explain it lowering down means bringing it to a level that you can explain it like a teacher explaining to a student explaining to a simple mind if you can't take a deep concept and bring it down to a simple level. This is the brilliance of Rashi. He was able to take the most profound concepts and explain it to a five-year-old child. Only Rashi can do that. Rabbi Natham, his grandson, said, a commentary on the Talmud like my, like my grandfather wrote, that I can do, no problem. But a commentary on the Chumash to explain to a five-year-old child to take the most brilliant ideas and to bring it out so clearly, crystal clear, that even a five-year-old child can grasp it. It's only a Rashi can do. This is lowering it down. The ability to take an idea and to explain it in the simplest, seemingly it's not even related, to bring it in a simple world, but the same idea, to see the same idea and to see that play out in, in, in almost a different setting, a simple setting. That's why the ability to bring down into parables, to, bring, to explain the concept in parables, Shlomo Amel, King Solomon, was able to bring an idea down 3,000 levels, one parable, explaining another, to take a, a, a deep idea and to bring it down and to see the same idea play out. And superficially, you wouldn't see a connection. And then you discover the same brilliance and the same depth you can find in the simplest world. It's the same concept, the same idea. This is the brilliance of being able to give a parable, to bring it down the simple. That's bringing it down, lowering it down. That's what he calls oirach, length. To lengthen the idea, to the same idea, and to see the same concepts play out on a simple, simple level. That's a brilliance. And then the ability to see it from all different angles, to see all the, all the implications, the different implications of the ideas. To be able to analyze the idea and then to realize the implications from the idea. This is the wealth. This is expanding the idea, expanding the concept from the initial seed and expanding it. And then there's oimek. Oimek is depth. To go deeper into the concept. You know, to, to the same idea. You know, when you learn a certain idea for many, many years and you had a breakthrough, I understand it very well. And then, as you grew as you go deeper into the concept, suddenly you see a whole new depth in the concept. You understand in its depth. And then you go even deeper. And you go deeper and deeper. So this is plumbing the idea. Plumbing it for all its depth. Not superficially, but really getting to the depth of the idea and really understanding it, not superficially. And many people have brilliant minds. They understand things very quickly. But also very superficially. Because it's only when you really plumb the depth, you really get to the juice, you really get to the, you see a whole new depth in, in, in really understanding. You know, so this is the idea of Bina. Bina is taking this idea and expanding it, lengthening it, and going deeper and deeper. 
This is the ability of Bina. It's a separate ability. It's a separate ability in a Chachm. is the ability to see, to sense, the creative genius, to be able to, you know, the breakthrough, the innovation, the uh, revelation, the excitement of sensing the idea, of the novelty. But then you have to take and develop it. You need a developer. You have the architect, but you can't live in an architectural plan. To live, you need a good engineer. You've got to develop this idea, plan, and make it work. Build a home, build a whole structure. And on paper, it's one paper, but then to make it, you have to have a huge, it's a whole undertaking. It has so many details and so many... So this is Bina. That's another ability of the soul, a faculty, special, unique faculty of being able to develop an idea expand the idea and develop the idea. It's a unique ability. Within the soul, it's a unique ability. In order to do, understand or deduce one matter out of another, and from this apprehension to beget its offspring, which are the attributes of love and awe, the thinker's understanding of the greatness of Hashem gives birth to emotion. It's like we learned earlier in chapter 3, in the first part of the Tanya, that the Chachama is like the father, gives the seed. And the Bina is like the mother that develops the seed over nine months and fully fleshes it out until it gives birth to a full-fledged child. So the emotions, in order to give birth to an emotion, you have to have all that wealth, all that richness of Bina. You have to have the details. It's not enough. Chachma is not enough. It's too abstract. So therefore it doesn't translate into the heart. It doesn't reach the heart. It's too vague. It's too fuzzy. It's too abstract. It's only when the Chachma then is processed. This is the processing. When the Chachma is processed through Bina, it's fully processed, then you can give birth to an emotion. Then you can develop. You could reach the heart, and the heart can get excited. The heart could relate to it. The heart can suddenly start getting excited about godliness. The thinker's understanding of the greatness of Hashem gives birth to emotions, a love and a fear of Him. And the other attributes born in the divine soul which contemplates and meditates upon Hashem's greatness as to how His greatness is unfathomable. He says, based on the different understanding, based on all this understanding, will lead to different emotions. As we discussed at great length in the first part of the Tanya, chapters 41 through 46, the Rebbe explains at great length the different levels of awe and the different levels of uh, fear and the different levels of love. So many, so many different levels. Because in order for the Benini to develop an internal life, as Alter Rebbe says, for the Benini, in order to be a Benini, you have to have an internal life. If you have no inner life, if you're not alive, you don't feel anything for godliness, and you don't have a love of Hashem, you don't have an awe of Hashem, the mitzvot will dry up. You won't ultimately will affect your behavior as well. You can't be a bainani, you can't behave appropriately, especially one hundred percent if you don't have that inner life. So Al Rebbe explains chapters forty one to forty seven, he explains and gives you different meditations and different reflections how you can develop these different loves. So all these different awes and fears and levels all depend, are based on the different understanding, a different awareness. There's an awareness that leads to a sense of awe of Hashem. There's an awareness that leads to a sense of love. And within love itself, and within awe itself, there are different levels. 
based on your different understandings, different meditations that lead to different feelings, different emotions, different responses. When you reflect and, con- and concentrate on this idea, it, it arouses and awakens a certain feeling to Hashem, a feeling of awe and trepidation, how insignificant we are and how infinitely great Hashem is. You're standing in the presence of Hashem. You feel a sense of awe when you're meditating and reflecting. You know, it's like Alter Rebbe once said, he once praised his colleague, Rabbi Zusha of Anapol, and he says, he says, you know, my colleague, Rabbi Zusha, he thinks on the lowest level of Hashem, and he starts trembling with awe. He says, I, Baruch Hashem, Hashem helped me, and I understand the highest levels. And yet, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same effect on me. I don't, and as he was saying this, Alter Rebbe started shaking and trembling. You know. But um, depending on your understanding, on your awareness, that will, based on that, you will develop different feelings. You know, like when you talk about certain things and you're thinking about certain things and you're concentrating on certain things and you're into, immersed in understanding and awareness of certain things, you develop a certain feeling. If you're focused on things that will arouse awe and then how awesome Hashem is and how infinite Hashem is and how great and how small we are and how great Hashem is, it'll arouse a feeling of awe. When you focus on the love of Hashem, it'll arouse a feeling. So it's all based, the child depends on the parents. The intellect is the cause and the emotions are the effects. So you change the cause, you'll have a different effect. So this is, it all shifts. So it all depends on on the emotions. One aspect of God's greatness is such that the divine soul, when contemplating it, is overwhelmed by a fear and dread. This is your tata, the lower level of fear, which is an aspect of Malchut. There is another aspect of the greatness of God from the contemplation of which derives your ila'a, the superior level of fear, in which one is awed out of Bashfulness. So not he's afraid or he's overwhelmed with fear and dread, but more out of, it's more out of shame. You remember when we had here, uh, the one who had the other life, um, near-death experience, he described how he went, you know, he felt naked, he had no mitzvah, he had, no, had nothing to show for himself. And all the you know, the terrifying experience, the accusers, and then he felt he was ushered into the presence of Hashem. And what he felt was, not this harsh, but he felt like this, this Hashem's disappointment. Like Hashem says, I send you, a piece of me, into this world. And you did nothing with your life. He says, it, it was so loving and it was so, but the, the disappointment was more crushing than anything else. To feel Hashem's disappointment. Hashem had so much expectation. Hashem had so much trust. Hashem, I trusted you so much. I believed in you so much. I, what happened? So that's a, that's a fear. Not the fear Hashem is going to punish me. Hashem is going to be harsh with me. It, it's, it's shame. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. You know, when you're standing in the presence of greatness, you're just embarrassed. 
you feel, what have I done? There's so much expected and so much given and so much energy and potential that was given to me and so much trust. And there was so much at stake. Hashem himself was put his faith in my hands and, and what I just, I just, what did I do with it? I just, nothing. So that's shame. It's not that I'm afraid I'm going to be punished I'm someone's going to hurt me. It's, it's just the truth. When you're standing in the presence of greatness, the truth, just you feel so ashamed. That's a, that's, he says that's more awesome than any, the other fear, the lower level of fear, you know, the darkness and the dread. and the Here it was, it was from greatness. When you stand, the truth of Hashem hits home so, so strongly you're just embarrassed inside. So the ability to feel shame is it comes from something very deep inside. You know, animals don't blush. The ability to blush really comes from a very deep, sensitive place. It means there's something genuine inside. <laughs> Today, people don't blush anymore. <laughs> Not only aren't they ashamed, they actually are very proud. They parade it in public. The ability to be ashamed is actually is when you, you confront truth. It just, it just, you feel, it's an internal thing. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. The ability to feel shame comes from a very deep, sensitive, in the inner place. Something very profound. So the, she, the fear of, of shame, it, it's something very beautiful and very deep and very profound. This is the higher level of awe. So that comes from a certain meditation. And he's not going into it, because we already, already learned this at great length. You can go back, lessons in Tanya.com, in the chapters in the 40s. And he explains which meditation brings out you standing in the presence of Hashem, Hashem's infinite greatness, and that leads you to a sense of, that meditation and reflection leads you to a sense of shame, inner shame. How could I let down such a how could I my life could be so meaningless and it's empty and superficial when there's so much here there's so much trust given to me so much at stake such infinite implications to everything that I do and everything that I say and everything that I think and so it leads to an inner sense of shame which is actually beautiful it's very healthy it's very it vitalizes us fear is, gives us life Yiras Hashem gives us life. It's the greatest praise you can give a Jew is that he's a Yiras Shemayim, he's a God-fearing person. It's the highest praise you can give a person. He's a God-fearing Jew. That's a Jew you can trust. A Jew who doesn't have Yiras Shemayim, run for the hill. Yamulkas, Yare Melaka, Yare Malka, you're afraid of Hashem? So, this gives us life. This vitalizes us. This, this wakens us up. This gives you a, 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 you know, a pump of energy. It pumps you up with energy. It gives you an adrenaline shot. It, 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 this, is, this makes you feel alive. This is wonderful. It's not a negative thing. Fear is negative. It's wonderful. This keeps us alive. This gives us vigor. It's vigorous. It's invigorating. It's rejuvenating. It's refreshing. It's keeps us real, grounded, down to earth. It keeps us humble. It keeps us, you know, it's, it's, it's 
wonderful. Make sure we don't get jaded and taken by ourselves. And, you know, you see a Jew, 60, 70, 80 years old, he's a God-fearing Jew. Wow, it's so youthful, vibrant, vital, alive. We are pleasure, a real person, no ears, no arrogance, no ego. No. It's, 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 it's uh, you know, a, a real person. This comes from Yirah Shemayim. This all comes from the Yirah of Hashem. So you have the lower level of Yirah, the higher level of Yirah. There is also an aspect of God's greatness from the contemplation of which derives Ahavah the great love. And still another aspect of God's greatness from the contemplation of which derives Ahavazuta, the lesser love. All these levels of Ahava and Yirah are internal emotive attributes that are fathered by Chabad. So we learned there's a lower level of Ava, which is, for example, the love, the love Hashem, because Hashem is your life, and Hashem is your energy, and if you love life, and Hashem is the source of life, if you're looking for life, you have to be plugged into the source of life, so this gives you a, fills your heart with a feeling for Hashem, a love for Hashem. Then there's a love, like a great love, like a child loves his parent, Hashem is your parent, Hashem is your father, it's more than just a, uh, Hashem is my life. Hashem is a, a child is so dedicated to his parent, he would even re- be ready to give up his life for his parent. So this is a love that's completely transcendent, a love that's completely overwhelming, it's con- a consummate love. And so there's different levels, and these two loves, levels of love are dependent on the level of the reflection, the level of the understanding of Hashem. If you're looking at this world, Hashem fills the world, Hashem is the soul of the world, so then that leads to a, to a lower level of love. But if you're meditating and reflecting on how Hashem transcends the world, Hashem transcends the whole frame of reference of the world, and you think about the greatness of Hashem, that Hashem is not about creating worlds, the, the ability to create within Hashem, you can hardly find it in Himself. It's completely insignificant to Hashem, and Hashem Himself is so beyond that. And you reflect on that, it leads you to a Havarava, a tremendous love, uh, overwhelming love. It's completely elevates you beyond your ego and it's all consummate and so these are all depends on the different levels of meditation and reflection that will lead to to the different levels of uh, different responses different levels of love of feelings the same applies to the external attitudes i.e. chesed and so on they too emanate from so even the external expression of love which is chesed to give to be a giver. So it's also dependent on your meditation. When you meditate and reflect that Hashem gives us. And that's Hashem's... And that we give Hashem a purpose. Hashem's purpose is to give. To give us. So then you realize how that's my life's mission. That's my purpose in life is to be a giver. I have to give, I have to do something, I have to accomplish something, I have to bring something to the table. And it's the receiver that actually gives me purpose and gives me meaning. It's not I am doing the poor person a favor. The poor person is doing me the biggest favor. I'm writing him a check. Are you kidding? He's, what he's doing for me is much more meaningful than what I'm doing for him. I'm writing him a check. I'm giving him my time, my energy, my... But what what uh, that person is giving me is giving me purpose. It's giving me meaning. It's giving me 
Ambition is giving me something. I'm accomplishing something. I'm doing something. I'm partnering with Hashem and creation. Hashem gives. And I'm a giver. That's the definition of being godly, of being connected with Hashem. Holiness gives. Holiness has, a, has purpose. There's a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning. So this all is based on reflection. If, you don't, if there's no meditation, if there's no awareness, if there's no understanding, there's no chachman, there's no bina. What emotion? There's no emotion. Just instinctive. Instinctive emotions, that's not something that comes and goes. That's not an emotion that you can rely on, you can depend on. You want to develop a solid emotion, you have to have a solid foundation. An emotion that endures, an emotion that's built on, on awareness and understanding. I'm not just kind because by nature I like to be kind. That's, that's not the kindness we're talking about. Here. We're talking about godly kindness. Kindness that comes from the godly soul. Godly kindness has to come with avoida, has to be developed, has to be worked upon, has to be something that's real, that's consistent, something that's based on a deep understanding. Avram wasn't just kind because Avram was a nice person. He was a liberal. You know, he was the first Jew. Jews are liberals. And he just liked being kind. You know, he, gets a, he gets a kick out of being kind. That's not, a, that's, not, that's not where kindness comes from. Jewish kindness is based on a solid foundation and the deep understanding and a penetrating understanding which completely transforms my life and changes my life and is a call for action and inspires my heart. I want to do something about it. I want to jump out of the chair. When you understand godliness, you want to jump out of your chair and filled with love and with excitement, now I want to go and do something. It leads me to action because my heart is excited because this idea fires me up. It inspires me to move and to change and to do something about it. So how do you suddenly become a chesed, a, a kind person who's giving? Well, it's not the plaque on the wall or, or, because, or because I like it or because we're supposed to be humanitarian and liberal. This is, this is based on a deep understanding of reality, of truth, of Hashem. The deeper the understanding, the more, the more I'll be inspired and the greater, will, the greater will be the result, the resulting deed and action. So it's all based on understanding. Even as he says, even the external, the chesed also is based on understanding. It's not just superficial. And that's why Avram, the same Avram, turned into someone very cruel. Because after his kindness, all he asked was, he wanted his guest to bench, to say grace after the meal. And most obliged. But those few diehard, stubborn, self-declared atheist says, no, I don't believe. So Avram, the same kind Avram and gentle Avram became very cruel. He says, oh, okay, no problem. You don't believe? He gave him such a bill. A bill. A cuenta, a bill. He says, you don't, oh, you don't, you don't believe? Sure. Where else are you going to get a five-star accommodation in the middle of a desert in Beersheba? He gave him such a bill. He hit them over the head with a bill that they suddenly saw the light and suddenly they were cured of their atheism. <laughs> but this because it wasn't just kindness with Avram. Oh, I like being kind. It's a kindness based on a, a shita, and a philosophy, an idea, an emotion, a kindness that's not based on idea. That's not Judaism. That's, that's paganism. That's, uh, I like to be kind. It makes me feel good. One guy likes to blow himself up, and I like to be kind. There's no difference between me and him. It's just a, it's just a preference, a prejudice. That's, that's animalistic, that's superficial, that's external, that's ego. That's not Jewish kindness. The godly kindness we're discussing here, the godly soul, is based on an idea, 
on a godly idea, on a godly truth, on a deep, deep understanding of that truth, which leads me and inspires me to do kindness. And, to, and I'm inspired to want to do kindness. Now the faculty of that must be vested within all these emotive attributes. Now comes the key. The key to getting from Chachma and Bina, to getting from wisdom and understanding, to emotions, you need the connector. What's the connector? The connector is that. Why? What is that? What, what does das represent? Well, it represents the bond with which the soul is bound and embedded in this apprehension as it apprehends some aspect of Hashem. Okay. Das is not learning new information or understanding a new idea. Das is taking that that I already understand and comprehend and connecting my soul with it or tying my soul with it, drawing near, drawing it close to my soul, personalizing it. Take the idea and really drill it home, drill it deep inside, personalizing the idea. I can understand the idea, but it's, it's an idea, it's an abstract idea, interesting idea, fascinating idea, brilliant idea. I can communicate it, I can discuss it, I can explain it. But it leaves me cold. It doesn't evoke any personal response. Das is the ability to draw, to become intimate with the idea. And we all have that ability. That's what happens when we reach maturity, when the girl reaches the age of bat mitzvah 12 and the boy reaches the age of bar mitzvah 13. When we reach puberty, we reach physical maturity which is the ability to be intimate, which is the ability to focus and to concentrate. Because in order to be intimate, the only way to be intimate is when you're completely focused and concentrated 100%, not 99.9%. If you lose a drop of focus, there's no possibility of intimacy. You have to be completely focused and concentrated. So we have that ability. Hashem gave us that ability. We have the ability to focus. We have the ability to concentrate. We have the ability to feel intimate, to become personalized, and to become completely focused on this idea. So that same ability, that's the ability of Das, to take a concept, any concept. And here we're discussing the concept of godliness, to take it and to make it internal, to internalize, to connect yourself with it, draw yourself closer to it. And then there's a whole different experience. Then it becomes an experience. You can understand something, but you know, it doesn't click. There's an idea that you heard many times and you can repeat it and you can say it. But then there's, as they say in Hebrew, nafala simon. Like, it clicks. All of a sudden you say, wow. Now I get it. Like you jump up. There's almost a physical reaction. Ah, that's the idea. It, it hits home. You connect with it. It, it's, it becomes personal. You experience the idea. Not just an idea. It turns into a conviction. It turns into a deep-seated conviction. It turns into... That takes focus. That takes concentration. That's the ability to take the idea and pickle the idea, internalize the idea, absorb it. I'm not learning any new information. But this, that the same idea should be turned into an experience. That's rich. That's invaluable. That's the difference between the abstract, brilliant mind... But everything is abstract. 
He can talk about ideas, like the professor talking about business. He never earned a dime in his life except his paycheck in the university. But talk to a person who built a business, who put his life savings on the line, who, who had to risk everything and then he won everything and then harrowing experiences to him. To him, making money is an experience, a life experience. It's not just a concept, a mathematical formula, an idea, abstract. He lived it. It's so much richer. How can you compare? You talk about someone who lived life and is talking about life from personal experience or someone who's talking abstract. Ideas, concepts. He went to school. Okay, Mazel tov. Brilliant ideas. But it's not experiential. It, it's not real. It doesn't have that feeling, that real feeling. And that's why it's very limited. That's why you have brilliant minds, brilliant professors. But emotionally, they're like children. They have no emotional IQ. Because the ideas are floating, brilliant, but there's no, it's not real life. They can't bring it down into real life. Because it never made it to their heart. Because there's no das, there's no maturity. That's what maturity comes in. That's why children are brilliant. Some children are more brilliant than Einstein, when he was 10 years old, was more brilliant than some 90-year-old. But you're lacking the maturity. You don't have that ability to come. You're not, you haven't reached puberty yet. You don't have the ability to concentrate, to focus, to internalize, to integrate. That something should click to get the idea. So that's the critical. That's the critical, the most critical ingredient. After you have the Chachman, you have to have the Bina. You have to have the Chachman and the Bina. Without the awareness, without the complete, comprehensive understanding, you never get to Das. But once you have the Chachman and Bina, the critical is the Das. That's the link. That's the connector. That's what hits home. That's what drills in. That's what you know, finalizes it and makes it real and permanent. And that takes it to the next step. That can lead to the emotion. But, but to get to the dot, it's the custom of the being, and then it's... And Not like, automatically. Yeah. I mean, at some point. You have to focus. After you have the chachman, you have to have the bina. That's what we do in davening, prayer. The difference between studying Torah, you study Torah, and then you have prayer. Studying Torah, you're always learning something novel. In order to fulfill the mitzvah of studying Torah, you have to review everything that you learn, to memorize it, but most importantly, you have to advance. Every day, your mind grows, you're a day older, a day wiser, you have to advance your understanding, you have to go deeper, you have to understand more and better and more comprehensive. And with every understanding, it affects all, everything you've previously understood in your life. It's the nature of understanding. Once you understand an idea, it's a new idea, you, everything changes. You look at everything differently. You know, that's understanding. That's the profound impact of understanding something. It's very internal. But after that, then you have davening in, in prayer. Prayer, you don't pray anything new. It's the same prayer over and over. How many times can you say the same prayer over and over and over again? But it's like the difference between learning and singing, speaking and singing. When you speak, you have to speak. You know, if you hear the same sermon over and over again, you know, you're ready to fire the rabbi. I heard it. I got it. Next. Singing is different. Singing, you can sing the same song a thousand times. And it's just as pleasurable a thousand times as it was the first time. Why? Why the difference? You never grow bored. Never boring. 
just as exciting. You can hear your song, your favorite song, literally a thousand times. A thousand times, just as magical as the first time. Maybe even more magical. Because when you're singing, you're experiencing it. When you experience something, when you're reliving something, it's happening now. I'm living it now. It's not something that happened in the past. I'm repeating. I'm not repeating. I'm living it. I'm experiencing it. It's alive. It's just as thrilling, just as exciting, just as, you know, when someone reminisces and they're reliving something that they experienced in their youth or their child. When they're, as they're telling it, they're, they're reliving it. It's happening now. It's just, the, the exci- you see the excitement. You can see it's, they're, they're feeling it right now. Because that's what davening is. Davening is not to learn new information. It's to take all that that you know and to live it, to experience it. It's a whole different thing. It's das. It's a whole different ability. To focus. That's when davening, you have to close your eyes. To focus. To concentrate. To relive it. To experience it. Not to say God is great. That you learn. But to experience God's greatness. And that takes time. That there are no shortcuts. Even in the fast food age, in our age, day and age, the three-second attention span, I think we're down to two, but, but there's no shortcuts. You can't, if you eat fast and swallow your food, you can get a stomachache. There's no a substitute for sitting and eating and chewing your food and digesting it. I don't care what world we live in, it's not gonna, it's, you, there's certain things, there's no shortcuts in life. There's no shortcuts. To concentrate, there's no shortcuts. You have to concentrate. The Rebbe would say many times, lock yourself up in a room, close the lights, lock the door, shut off the phones, and just sit and concentrate. Because there's no substitute. Yeah, we live in a fast world, and everything is hoo-ha, and everything is quick, and everything is rushing, and you're rushing so quickly, you don't have a second to breathe. And that's the world we live in, by divine providence, and the many things we have to behave that way. We have to grab whatever opportunities we have. But there's no substitute for das, for maturity, for sitting and experiencing and personalizing. And that, that is no shortcut. That you have to sit and you have to focus. And focus, remove all distractions. That's number one. You can't focus if you're distracted. The first thing when you come to Davin is you walk into Shul, you have to stop. It says you have to walk. Um, you have to walk I think, uh, eight amas, I think it says. Or you have to wait how long, it, how long it would take you to walk. In other words, you have to stop. Remove all distractions. I can't focus when my mind is racing in a million different directions. So first thing, you got to just remove all the distractions. That's, and that's just a preparation. That's the negative, removing all the distractions. Then you can create an opening, a space. Quiet, opening, a space. And then in that space, you can go deeper personalize the concept and become intimate with the concept. Total focus, total concentration. But we know that even in the year 2015, we have that ability. We have that ability. Every 12-year-old, every 13-year-old physically has that ability, which comes from spiritually we have the ability. We have the ability of that. We have the ability to totally focus and concentrate. Things that matter to us, even in this age where there's zero attention span, but things that matter to us, people will sit for hours in front of their favorite game. Children with ADD sit like such discipline and concentration, sitting for hours, 
Talk to people about their money, they'll sit for hours. There's no attention span problem. Talk to people about themselves, they'll sit for days. There's no problem. We, of course we have the ability to focus and concentrate. It's just, it just has to matter. That's maturity. Maturity is when something deeply touches you and something matters to you. Then you, you focus and you concentrate and you don't get distracted. And, you're not. and then you can move. Without movement, without the maturity, without focus and concentration, there's no change. No change is possible. There's no movement. Because if there's no emotional movement, that's what leads to behavioral movement, behavioral change. So experience is key. Maturity is key. It's emotional maturity. It's, it's, it's the ability to bring it home, personalize, connect. And that's where richness is. You know, the analogy of the home. Chachma is the architect, the blueprint, the idea. Bina is the engineering, the structure, building the home. But would you live in such a home? It's not livable. Then you bring in the decorator, interior decorator, the finishings. Ah, that's what makes a home a home. The beauty, the painting, the, the finishings. Now you feel at home. It's inviting, it's warm, it's comfortable. You know, it's, 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 that's the touch. That's the touch of Das. And only based on that could you, could you move forward, could you make decisions. People who are brilliant can't make decisions because they see every side. They see all the arguments on this side, they see all the arguments on that side. They're paralyzed. They don't, how, do you, how does a person make decisions? If it's just based on logic, it's very hard to make decisions. Judges, leaders have to be decisive. They have to have the ability to make decisions in, in very confusing situations. And the brilliant mind, I see 20 different possibilities and I see, I'm not sure, this is right, that's right, how do I know, what do I know? And he's lost, he's paralyzed. The leader has das, to have, to have a leadership. You have to have das. To make a decision. A judge is to have the ability to make a decision. I hear all sides of the story and I have every angle, the prosecutor and the defense. But then I take it all in. And then I get the feeling. I get the feeling for it. And the feeling tells me what's the right way. So this can only come from das. It's come from maturity. It's not brilliance alone is not enough. Logic alone is not enough. You have to be able to experientially have a feel for it. A real life feel, you have to sense it, you have to feel the idea, you have to experience it, you have to bring it home, internalize it. And then you can come to a decisive direction, a decisive decision. So this is Das, this is all Das. Very key, very essential. We're missing Das, the Gemara says, you're missing Das. Makanisa, what did you acquire? All your wisdom and understanding goes to waste. All your brilliance goes to waste because as we said earlier the person is really your heart your emotions the only thing that can affect your heart and your personality and character and change you refine you inspire you move you is only das das is the bridge the connector between the brain and the heart and if you don't have that connection you don't have that maturity you're a child you can be 90 years old you could be a Nobel Prize winner, but you're an emotional child. An immature child that never grew up. Emotional. 
So this is the ability to focus, to internalize the idea, to focus. Does it apprehend some aspect of Hashem's greatness from which one of these attributes is born within it? Once the soul has apprehended some aspect of Hashem's greatness, it must bind itself to this comprehension through the faculty of Dach. For a momentary removal of Dach from his app- this apprehension, the emotion born of it is also withdrawn from its prior state of manifestation in the soul back into concealment within the soul. To exist there in potentia, but not in actuality. It is the faculty of Dach a prolonged and constant involvement in the subject being contemplated that reveals and actualizes the emotive experience of love or fear. That's why he said the analogy of giving birth. Before you conceive the child, the child is not there. Yes, it comes from the parents, but the child is not there. It's very deep, deep potential. The parents have the potential to have offsprings and to give birth to a child who is basically a piece of themselves. But until they actually give birth, until they conceive the child, the child is completely hidden in potential. So too, to give birth to an emotion, not instinctive emotion, but to give birth to an emotion, the emotion is not there. Unless you give birth to the emotion, until you give birth to the emotion, the emotion is not there. And in order to give birth to the emotion, the key ingredient is das. Children can't give birth. To give birth, you have to be a mature adult. I mean, you have to reach puberty, you have to reach maturity, physically, which is a reflection of spiritual. So too, to spiritually give birth, to create this emotion, to create an emotion, to give birth to an emotion. It's like a child. Yes, the child was there, comes from the parents. But unless you give birth to it, through maturity, through concentration of focus and intimacy, that potential will never ever be realized. You're giving birth to something new. You're creating something new. You're creating a child. So to give birth to a child, you have to have das. It's impossible otherwise. And in order to have das, it has to be 100%. You can't lose focus. If you lose focus for a second, it's all over. So too, in order to give birth to this emotion, these godly emotions, to give birth in the godly soul, to be able to activate all these faculties of chesed and gevur of chesed and gevur and teferes and netzach, in order for the, birth, for the intellect to give birth to these emotions, you have to have das. You have to be 100% focused and concentrated. And the moment you lose focus, it's gone. The emotion disappears. You have to constantly sustain the emotion by constantly driving it home feeling intimate with the idea personalizing the idea bringing it home connecting with the idea consciously connecting with the idea totally focusing and concentrating on the idea and that's why das is if the again and again and again and continuously and constantly and Obviously, since we're not capable of being constantly turned on, constantly connected, that's why we have prayer. Prayer is a time when Hashem gave us a time that we remove ourselves from all distractions, the hour of prayer. Because if prayer was just about asking for our needs, the whole prayer would take five minutes. Okay, we have a lot of needs, ten minutes. Well, you don't, you don't need an hour every morning to pray. It's a very busy time, an hour. after being have to be in the office, it was an hour. 
prayer is more than just asking for your needs. The inner idea of prayer is that's a time to develop this das, to concentrate, to focus, to connect, to, without any distractions, the world doesn't exist. The first thing you do in the morning before you get, before you busy your mind with anything else, the first thing you do is you focus on Hashem, you focus. And that concentration, and when you experience, when you reach a level where you experience godliness and you sense it and you feel it and, and you're inspired and you're moved, then you can continue on. Then you study a little Torah, then you continue on to your business and the taste will linger for the whole day and will give you the inner strength that you need in order to do the right thing. But this ability to concentrate, you have to concentrate. You can't concentrate for a split second. Concentrating for a second doesn't do it. Just like intimacy, you can't concentrate for a second. There's no intimacy then. It's not possible. You have to concentrate. And concentrate. And continue to concentrate. To personalize and to intimate. And then you're totally focused. You're centered. You're focused. Every fiber of your being, every bone in your body, consciously, subconsciously, your whole body. Then you can have the maturity to develop a real feeling. To give birth to a real child, to give birth to a real feeling and a feeling that will endure. It won't, won't be like a flash in the pan, a moment of inspiration that just is gone in a poof. Easy come, easy go. It's based on something real and sustainable. That is why the term that is applied to poetry. Which means uh, being intimate. For it signifies a bond that results in an issue? An issue, in a child. Just as out of that are born the emotions. This is the faculty of that, tachton, the lower level of that, which extends into the attributes and vests itself in them to animate and sustain them. There is also a faculty of that elion, a superior level of that, through which the source of the intellect that apprehends the profundity of a concept is bound and connected to it like a point or a flash of lightning that flashes over one's mind so that the concept will extend downward. This is a whole higher level of that, a whole different idea of that, which combines and merges the two brains, the right brain and the left brain. You know, it's very rare to find that combination. There are people whose strength is their creative mind, and they're not strong at all when it comes to being analytical and logical. That's not their strength. The strength is they're innovative, they're creative, they're, you know, they're brilliant in that way. But many times they themselves don't fully appreciate and comprehend their own creative genius. The uh, very creative people sold their concepts for pennies. And uh, there was others who understood what they've accomplished and you know, re reaped the reward. So on the other hand, you have people who don't have a creative bone in their body, but are just brilliantly analytical. Give them an idea and they'll dissect it and take it apart and break it down and analyze it. And, uh, manufacture it, engineer it, and it's rare to find a combination. 
person who has fully developed Chachma and fully developed Bina. He says the higher level of Das has a unique ability to combine Chachma with Bina. Chachma is more like a feeling, a sense, but you can't yet put it into words. It's vague, it's fuzzy, it's nebulous, it's a feeling, a sense. I can feel it, I can see it, but I can't describe it. Even to myself, I don't have the words for it. Bina can be very loquacious. Bina is articulate, Bina is logical, philosophical. I'll break it down, I'll explain it, it's clear, it's, 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 there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, it's, it's very clear. But it's dry, it's very mechanical. Not always exciting. It's, not, it's hard to read. People have brilliant books, but it is very dry and mechanical and very long. <laughs> Tombs, volumes, pages and pages and pages. It's not as exciting. It doesn't have that energy. It doesn't have the same excitement. You know, the brilliant mind, the creative mind, is, is, it's dynamic, it's exciting, it's innovative, it's, re, it's revelatory, it's like a revelation, it's, it's like stunning, it's shocking, it's... it's, it's takes you in a whole new direction. I would never think of it in a million years. And it opens up a whole new vista. It's, it's, it's a vision. It's artistic. It's, it's, it's dazzling. It's the analytical mind is very dry and cut, very mechanical. It's mathematical. Figure out this idea and this point, and this point leads to that point, and the logical point leads to the next logical point. Of course, in its own way, it's very, it's brilliant, you know. Yeah, someone who understands something very well and comprehensive and could discuss it for hours and could explain it and could, it's very, you know, this, this, this is very rich. This, this. But what Das does, Das combines the two. What Das does is it articulates the inarticulate. It puts into words the deepest levels that can't be put into words. The deepest places that are really beyond words. And the reason why it's so vague and fuzzy and nebulous is because you're dealing with something that's subconscious. You're dealing with something that's really beyond the conscious mind. It's beyond concepts, ideas, simple breakdown of ideas. You can't put it into words. It's hard to put into words. You know, things you can put into words, you can analyze and put into words, and it's very logical and mathematical. It's very external. It's mechanical. But the soul can't be put into words. It's very hard to put what's really going on, the inner dynamic, what's going on in the subconscious, the real source of everything that's really going on on the conscious level. But it's really beyond our grasp. We can't talk about it. We don't have words for it. We, and it's dark even to ourselves vague and fuzzy even to ourselves because it's so deep and so profound and so beyond our, our conscious comprehension and yet with Das with a higher level of Das you're able to capture in words things that are really beyond words. you know it's, it's almost like, like poetry the words of the poet it stirs you it stirs you, it shifts you, it stirs your soul. You can say the same thing, right? Abraham Lincoln's speech, four score, the exact word? What? Yeah, the Gettysburg Address. You could have said, uh, 
80 years ago. He could have said the same thing, mathematically and logically. It would fall flat. But you say the same words. It's like magical. It's like, it's, it touches you. It inspires you. It stirs your soul. It, it's, you, you're capturing in words something that's really beyond words. Something that stirs your soul. Logic analysis leaves you flat. Leaves you cold. It's very mathematical. It's very beautiful in its own right. But it's, it leaves you unmoved and untouched. Chachma is very exciting. It's, it's a window to the soul. It's, a, it's like a revelation of the soul. Something pops into your head and suddenly you, a bolt of lightning and you see a whole new direction. and It's brilliant. You know, you were stuck all of a sudden a whole new vista, a whole new opening. But you can't express it in words. The higher level of Das is able to merge the subconscious and the conscious. Is able to bring into words something that's really beyond words and capture it in words so the words come alive the words have the same excitement and the same virus it's vibrant it's alive it's it's brilliant it captures everything something that can't be described in words that like thousands of details millions of details are captured by these few words and suddenly and it's able to shift you forward it's able to move you forward it's able to so words that move you, that inspire you, words that capture everything about this idea in all its complexity, in all its richness. It's really capturing the emes, the truth of the idea. Because brilliance, mathematical, is very mathematical and brilliant, but it's, it, doesn't, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't change you, it doesn't affect you. when you're able to capture the depth it's the ultimate depth you're able to capture the true depth and it has to have an effect in you. it just it just stirs you it just you can't remain indifferent it affects you it stirs you up it sh- because these few words have captured something that's really beyond words so you have the perfect combination you have crystal clear I'm able to articulate it put it into words it's crystal clear but at the same time I haven't lost any of the excitement the energy the soul the subconscious it's, it's, it's capturing the soul in words versus analytical per se is almost soul denying it's, it's, it's the more verbi- verbiage there are the more words there are the more analytical the, the bigger the book gets and the more words there are it's like you buried you bury the light you bury the energy you bury the excitement you bury the soul it's brilliant but you know you're getting a headache and the inspiration is gone you don't feel you don't feel the but the ability to be able to combine the two to capture in words something that's really the, the soul to capture the soul in words that's a very unique combination where the two complement each other, the right brain and the left brain, the creative mind and the analytical mind merge. The analytical mind captures in words, in clear, crystal clear words and definitions, the whole depth and the whole excitement and the whole soul. This is the union of Chachma and Bina, to unify, to merge. It's like an intimacy of Chachma and Bina to become one. This is the highest level of Das. This is Das. This is reaching into the subconscious.
Freud talked about the subconscious. He made the world aware there is a subconscious. The problem is he can't access the subconscious. But the ability to deliberately and consciously be able to access your subconscious and to bring it into a conscious level, to bring it down into words, capturing your whole subconscious and all its richness and all its excitement, all its dynamism, which enables you to change. That's the problem with so much psychotherapy today. You talk and talk, and you pay someone to talk for years, to listen. You'll be a paid friend for years, but there's no change. You haven't changed. It hasn't improved. Your pocket is empty. You haven't changed. It hasn't helped you. So now I know why I'm doing this, because my mother, when I was three years old, did that. Okay, mazel tov. That doesn't help me. So what? It's not going to change anything. Now that I'm aware and I know, it doesn't move you, it doesn't change you. Because it doesn't touch the place where change comes from. Real change comes from your soul, from your subconscious, from your depth. But it's inaccessible. It's a closed book. Chachma is a little window to the soul, the creative genius. But then by the time you get into Bina, into the conscious world, it's lost. The soul connection is lost. So change is not possible. You can be brilliant. How many brilliant people do we know and yet they, can't, they don't have their act together? They're unrefined and unchanged and unmoved. With all their brilliance and all their understanding, the root causes, it doesn't change anything. Das, Elian, the higher level of Das has the ability to capture your subconscious, to access your subconscious on a conscious level, to deliberately and consciously access your subconscious. Do you imagine what a merger, what, an, what, a, what, what that gives birth to? The change that you can change. People have one moment experiencing of Das Elyon, of a higher level of Das. They can shift and change and move forward in their life, something they've been stuck for decades. And with all their brilliance and all their understanding, they couldn't budge an inch. With one deep experience of Das Elyon, the Das that he's describing here, Deliberately and consciously capturing something that's beyond. In one second you can experience more change than all the, all the therapy that you've been to for decades. Because it touched the depth of your soul. But this is a very high level. For this you have to reach a complete level of egolessness. You have to completely remove your ego on the side. And really listen to your soul. Let your soul speak in its own words. And when you allow the soul, words that come from the soul, words that are etched into your being, words that, not like external superficial words that you can erase, like words on parchment. The words and the, and the parchment are, yes, you write it on the parchment, but they're easily erasable. They're not, they're not really one. Words that come from the depth of your being when you allow the soul to speak in its own words, those words are like bombs. Those words are like, wow. It's like you physically react. When those words come, you jump and you physically feel a sense of relief and a sense of movement and a sense of change. Something shifts inside of you. It's physical. It's not just spiritual. It's like intimacy. It's total. Thousands of things, of details have changed in your life in that one movement. And you feel more change in that one split second and that one movement than you have in years of therapy, which you talk and talk and talk and analyze and analyze to death and you're getting nowhere.
if you're honest with yourself, but with one level of das, a higher level of das, one level of complete egolessness, putting yourself on the side, just listening to your neshama, allowing your neshama to speak, allowing your neshama to emerge and to surface, and let your neshama give it its own words, let your subconscious give you its own words. And those words are startling. They have the qualities of chachma. They're always startling, always a revelation. It's nothing you would expect. You could analyze and be brilliant from today to tomorrow. You would never in a million years come to the realizations that come directly from Yunusham. So you have the level of chachma, startling realization, revelation. But you have words. You can capture it. And this is really what Hasidus has accomplished. This is what Hasidus has done. The Chabad, specifically the Atanya, the Alter Rebbe took and articulated, didn't articulate. He took Nishama, things that we only instinctively, every Jew has faith, with the believers, the children of believers. And that's why when we learn Hasidus, it resonates so deeply. But, but we always knew it, but instinctively we didn't have the words for it. And the Alter Rebbe is giving us Nishama words. When the Rebbe speaks Tanya, when the Rebbe speaks Amayim, speaks Hasidus, the Rebbe, these are Neshama words. When the Rebbe writes, speaks, these are Neshama words. These are soul words. These are words that come from the deepest levels that express itself in its own language, in its own words. So it's words I can grasp, I can comprehend, but these are words that are on fire. These are words that capture the infinite complexity and the depth and the dazzling truth of so I have experience I have innovation revelation and crystal clear understanding all combined in one this is Dasel this is the higher merger this is the ultimate merger of Chachma and Bina it's like the beautiful story the Alter Rebbe we discussed this once but it's so, such a powerful story Al-Tarebbe used to say, Hasidic discourses, you get so excited that many times he would just roll on the floor while he was saying the Hasidic discourse. And that's why there are many transcripts of those who would repeat, would write down what al wrote. And there are many, many of the transcripts, there's missing gaps, there's gaps. Because al would roll on the floor and those who were responsible for repeating would start rolling with him. <laughs> they, tr- they wanted to hear the Alter Rebbe. They don't want to miss a word. The train of thought that Alter Rebbe was saying. Sometimes they were successful, sometimes not. So the gaps were those. You know. But the most beautiful part of the whole story is even when Alter Rebbe was seized by ecstasy and he was rolling on the floor, completely oblivious, he was so excited, he, he didn't stop speaking. He didn't stop speaking. This is Chabad. This is the higher level of Das. Articulating the inarticulate. But profundity of the apprehended concept will thereby come to be understood with extensive clarification in length and breadth, this stage being the function of the faculty of Bina, which is known as Rehovot Hanahar, literally, the expanses of the river, as will be explained in its place. The Rebbe says he's referring to the Tanya, the first part of the Tanya. The faculty of Da'at Elyon unifies Chokmah with Bina. Chokmah is the intuitive flash of illumination that would vanish as quickly as it appeared if it were not anchored by Da'at in the comprehension of Bina, whereby this seminal point 
assumes length and breadth. Chokhmah is thus likened to a wellspring whose waters issue forth drop by drop, while Binah is linked to a broad and deep river. It is a function of that, Elyon, to draw the wellspring of Chokhmah into the river of Binah. The function of that, Tachton, by contrast, is that of binding the intellective faculties of Chabad with their resultant emotions, so that one's intellectual activity will illuminate them and provide them with vitality and continuity. In summary, this discourse demonstrates how all the ten faculties of the divine soul engage in an ongoing relationship with their godly source. Indeed, to recall the Alter Rebbe opening lines, an understanding of this dynamic within oneself enables one to experience the truth of the verse, from my flesh shall I behold God, and to gain some measure of understanding of the supernal spirit. From understanding the ten faculties and the godly soul, which come from Hashem, this gives us some glimpse, some understanding to help us understand the ten supernal sefirot. And he doesn't elaborate that. You, you can understand from yourself already. And uh, this is, this is a <laughs> heavy duty, one of those powerful that letters. What? <laughs> this class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.